<laughs> Yo. And here we are. Back at it again with another episode of New Filters. With me, myself, in the flesh. Uncle Mugger. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's another episode of New Filters. Different perspectives, new perspectives, whatever you want to call it. But of course, we're here to brighten your mind. We're here to, of course, have a conversation about everyday topics, shed my light on it. Maybe, you know, maybe share a new perspective that you never heard of. Maybe share something that that you have heard of and, of course, continue the conversation. First and foremost, before I even get into anything, I just want to give a huge shout out to you for continuing your journey, continuing your push to success. Because as we know, this journey to success is not just the top of the mountain. It's not just the cars, the clothes, the money. It's not just the big house, but it's the journey there. So of course, your everyday push, all of the small moves that you make on an everyday basis. The fact that you haven't given up yet. The fact that you're keeping the faith despite what's in front of you. The fact that you're keeping on with the push towards your goals. That's why I'm giving a special shout out to you. So just keep it going. Of course, thank you for joining me on today's episode. We all blessed. Nothing but good energy here. And it's time to get into what we're here to talk about today. As you can tell, yeah, by that by that title, you know, it always gives it away before I even get into what I gotta say. Today we're here to talk about pro-life or pro-choice. Very interesting topic. Let's, let's get into what that even means if you don't know. Pro-life means that you support protecting the life of a child before it's born. And pro-choice means that you feel that it is ultimately the parent's choice or the mother's choice on whether or not that baby lives. You know, so that's a that's a very I would say it's a very controversial topic. It's something that we've been talking about for a while. This whole pro-life, pro-choice. And of course, I wanted to share my take on it. How I feel about the situation. Uh, so uh, the reason that I even brought this up was if you don't know now, you finna know. Um, September 1st of last month, um, Texas actually went ahead and passed the Texas abortion law. Again, if you don't know, now you're about to know. Um, Texas is basically saying that at this point, if the pregnancy is past six six weeks, you cannot get an abortion. It doesn't matter if the pregnancy is a result of rape. It doesn't matter if the pregnancy is the result of incest. After six weeks, it's just not happening. So you can give it up. The only way that you can get an abortion in Texas after that first initial six weeks 
is if the mother's life is in jeopardy. Uh, so that's the only exception. Um, and so basically with that, <laughs> you know, basically a lot of people, you know, this was causing a lot of eyebrows to be raised. This was causing a lot of feathers to be ruffled and all over the news. Oh, the government is infringing on our rights. This is not right. The government is trying to control the woman's body. This is not right. Oh, this will have a major impact on the low-income families. This will have a major impact on the minority family. Those who cannot afford to have children now will be stopped from having abortions. This is all that I'm seeing on the news right now. Uh, other people are even saying, oh, Texas right now is setting the precedent for other uh, states to follow. And then soonly, short, so soonly after, shortly after, you see uh, Florida, they basically adopted the bill. All they did was copy-paste it and said, uh, Florida said, after six weeks, no one can get an abortion, but if you were raped or if the pregnancy is a product of incest or if the pregnancy can potentially harm the mother, you can get an abortion after six weeks. So... You know, I guess what's going on in Florida right now, there's less controversy around it because after six weeks, you can still get an abortion if the woman was raped, the pregnancy is a byproduct of incest, or if the pregnancy can compromise the mother's health. But, you know, even with that said, people feel like, again, the Texas abortion law is basically going to set the precedent for other states to follow suit as we can see in the case with florida and it might ultimately get the decision uh, that roe versus wade it might get that decision overturned and as you know roe versus wade is actually the court case that um, made abortion here in the united states well first in texas legal and then, of course, in the United States, when it was brought up to the support court, the support, the Supreme Court, that's what made abortion here in the United States legal. Uh, so, you know, with all that talk, of course, you know, someone like me, I'm, I'm going to sift through the talks. I'm going to read articles. I'm going to listen to the news. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what's going on. But at the end of the day, I take all that information and I'm formulating my own opinion. Uh, so... With this important question, is the life of a baby more important than my choice or is the woman's right or the couple's right to choose whether or not that baby lives more important? Which one is more important, right? And so something like abortion is, is very controversial, you know, because you have a lot of different a lot of different situations outside of rape, outside of incest, outside of the mother's health potentially being uh, compromised. You have a lot of situations in which abortion might seem like a good idea, but ultimately, is it? Mm, you know, and so before I even get into how I actually feel about it, I actually just wanted to go uh, real quickly. We're going to go on a history course. Um, 
if any of you guys watch the magic school bus uh whatever the teacher's name was she would take them on a school trip so we're about to take a a, a real quick history uh course with uncle mugger right now we're about to break down the history of abortion here in the united states uh so first and foremost uh let's let's break down one of the major proponents one of the major supporters for abortion here in the United States. Let's break down the history of this large corporation that you know as Planned Parenthood. Yes, 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 yes. Planned Parenthood. What? Everybody knows about Planned Parenthood, especially if you live in the inner city. You'll probably see five or six clinics, abortion clinics, or, oh, no, no, just clinics. You'll see about five or six in your area within a five mile radius because you know whatever but uh yeah i wanted to go ahead and do some because they pushing for this law to be overturned planned parenthood is basically saying that abortion is a right uh to stop someone from getting an abortion and is an is an invasion on, on someone's privacy so i wanted so since they support abortion so much i wanted to do some history on them and so what I found out was you had this this woman named Margaret Sanger. We're going to call her Margie because that's just the name that I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with for this. But Marger, Margie in 1921 decided that she was going to come up with something, a corporation called the American Birth Control League. So her and CC Little... Clarence Cook Little, uh, who was the president of the American Eugenic Society at the time, and some other dude named Loth Lothrop Stuttered. What kind of name is that? But Lothrop Stuttered, a self-proclaimed white supremacist who had published a book called The Rising Tide of Color Against White Supremacy. So it was Margie, again Margaret Sanger, uh, Clarence Cook Little, the president of the American Eugenics Society and Lothrop Stuttered, a self-proclaimed white supremacist, came together and created the American Birth Control League. Wow, 1921. So if you don't know, if you if you if you don't have an idea of what eugenics is uh, because we all know what a white supremacist is obviously a white supremacist is someone that you know inherently believes that they're they're better than somebody else they're better than the other races they feel like them being white they're top of the top and everybody else is below them you know uh, uh, modern day races uh so eugenics though eugenics um, I looked it up. So what is eugenics in America? So the eugenics movement was formed during the late 19th century. Uh, the movement embraced negative eugenics, which its ultimate goal was to eliminate, quote unquote, undesirable, undesirable genetic traits through selective breeding. Um, yeah, I mean, when you put that in layman terms, it, it just means that you have a racist who now feels like they have the more favorable traits 
and now they seek to stop the other people from reproducing. That's what eugenics was all about, basically. Um, so you had Margaret, again, Margie, Clarence Cook. You had Lothrop Stutter three, white supremacists three, racists, um, who were basically doing research into eugenics and found out that basically the best way to control a population was at birth. Uh, so they came up with this American Birth Control League. Uh, this American Birth Control League eventually changed its name to the Birth Control Federation of America. Uh, later on, it was renamed to Planned Parenthood in about 1942 when eugenics and birth control uh, was, was, was being used in Nazi Germany. And so for the first time, Americans got a an idea of what eugenics actually meant they saw eugenics in play they saw birth control in play sterilizing people killing people you know based on based on genes so if you weren't in germany if you weren't blonde haired blue eyed you were basically dead so they they were weeding out the population basically with the, was what they were doing so americans saw what eugenics and birth control was all about so they had to change their name from the birth control federation of america to the planned parenthood federation of america in 1942 um just to go like uh, I looked into the ideology of Margaret Sanger uh, and what she felt birth control was. And she, she said that it was nothing more than the facilitation of the process of weeding out the unfit, of preventing the birth of defectives or of those who will eventually become defectives. And so from, again, from a white supremacist, in 1921 teaming up this basically means they were looking to kill black people that's basically what that means in english that means that they were looking to kill black people let's keep it simple boom bam straight to the point um doing more research on margaret sanger herself or margie herself um she had a, a magazine called the birth control review where she published uh she published articles all the time, but someone that she seemed to love was this dude called Ernest Rudin, who was actually the person who wrote the sterilization laws that were going on in Nazi Germany. Um, so all that was happening to the Jewish people in Germany, Ernest Rudin was responsible. Uh, so the concentration camps, the dividing families, uh, sterilizing women so that they don't become pregnant again. All of those laws were written by Ernest Rudin. And so Margie, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, that was first called the American Birth Control League, that was her idol. So again, she looked up to someone who was a part of wiping out thousands, thousands of people in Germany, wiping out thousands of Jews in Germany again. That is who is behind Planned Parenthood. Um, so doing more research, there's a letter of her uh, speaking to this dude named Clarence Gamble about a Negro project 
uh, where basically she had an idea of enlisting the support of black doctors and black pastors to educate quote-unquote black people on the importance of birth control and how this can help our population uh, so here 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 goes another white person <laughs> finding a couple sellouts to push her agenda in our area in our population in our community you know uh, it goes on and on but um yeah so she was a part of that as well and um more research actually shows that the international sect of her company called the international yo this is crazy the international planned parenthood federation actually received um, funding from the U.S. government in 1936 to 1968, and they went to Puerto Rico and sterilized one third of all the women that can have children at, during that time. And in history, that is the highest proportion of people sterilized, of women sterilized in the world till this day, the highest proportion. Again, from 1936 to 1968, planned, the International Planned Parenthood Federation was in Puerto Rico and ended up sterilizing one-third of their population. And this wasn't voluntary. It wasn't people, a Puerto, Ricans, Puerto Rican woman just walking into clinics, hey, I want to be sterile, I don't want to have children. No, it was forced. So when they would have, let's say, they would go in for a simple, simple checkup, Boom. While they were there, they would go ahead and put them under anesthesia and perform the surgery on them. Or if they were there for another surgery, they would always they, they would also sterilize them two birds with one stone. So again, this is the foundation of the Planned Parenthood that we know today. Um, the foundation of this company again built on the backs of white supremacists the president of a eugenics foundation like what, what's going on uh yeah but whatever um but let's transition into i guess uh planned parenthood today 87 percent of planned parenthood clinics are in minority neighborhoods and minority is always so cute to hear 87 percent of Planned Parenthood uh, clinics are in black Hispanic neighborhoods leaving only 13 percent located in white neighborhoods I don't know if that seems targeted much to you but seems pretty targeted to me but I don't want to infer um, okay so more statistics show that abortion is actually the leading cause of death in the african-american population more than all other deaths combined so if we take black on black crime if we take police brutality diabetes high blood pressure lung cancer skin cancer uh, natural causes of death the flu if we take all of these things and put them all together abortions would still outweigh all other deaths like if that's not a huge number i don't know what is okay um and and then and then when you go into that when you go a little deeper into that it, it says that black woman 
only account up for 14% of the childbearing population. So out of all women that are able to have children here in the United States, black women only account for 14% of that population. But 36% of all abortions were obtained by black women. So let's say out of out of 100 abortions, 36 automatically black women. But out of, out of 100 women, there's only 14 black women. Just to break down those statistics for you. Uh, more information on the statistics. It says that uh, white women are five times less likely to have an abortion than black women. Now, the question is, is it because black women love killing their babies or is it because 87 percent of the clinics are located in black neighborhoods? So it's so available to get while only 13 percent of the clinics are in white neighborhoods. So maybe that's not it's not seen as as an option as much of an option to white women as it is to black women i don't know again that's me inferring um you know with all these statistics it was crazy to see like what's actually going on it, it says that 40 there were 44 million abortions since the 1973 roe versus wade supreme court ruling so that means 19 million babies were aborted since that time, since 1973. And again, we only make up 13, all of us make up 13% of the population. And we have 19 million black babies that were killed since 1973. 19 million. This stuff is crazy. So, I mean... You know, just right there, just right there, you see that Planned Parenthood itself, the accept, the inception of Planned Parenthood, the foundation of Planned Parenthood uh, is based on three folks who got together who actually hated black people and their mission statement was to kill black people, uh, but they didn't want us to find out, so they enlisted black doctors and black pastors to bamboozle us into thinking that this is something good for us uh so okay that's the inception so i mean of course things like that have me thinking like huh if they if they want us to kill they want us to kill each other in the hood they want us to kill each other with the food that they have in our area and then on top of that they want us to kill our babies is this right? Like morally, is this right? Probably not. But like seeing that this is literally a plot against my people to kill my baby. Is this right? Probably not. But okay, let's let's we still on this little history trip right now. Let's let's take a look into Roe versus Wade because I just read that since the 1973 Roe versus Wade Supreme Court ruling, 19 million black babies were aborted. So let's look at Roe versus Wade, and this one was the most interesting. Like I, I seen this and I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> you know, because we live in the information age where you can literally hop on a computer, get information, where you could walk into any library and you have access to thousands of books, millions of books even. And so I looked into this Roe versus Wade 
And so in June 1968, 21-year-old Norma McCorvey found out she was pregnant with her third child. Her first child she had when she was 18 years old. She wasn't taking care of that child. Her mother was taking care of the child. It got to a point where her mother was fed up and conned her daughter into giving up the rights to her baby. And her mother took care of that child ever since. Norma again had a second child. This child, <sighs> given up for adoption. That's the second child. Now she gets pregnant at 21, 1968 for a third time. And Norma says, hey, she's not trying to have that baby. So she goes back to her hometown in Dallas, Texas, thinking that she can get an abortion. You know, she didn't really know much about the law. She's just into partying and bullshitting with her friends. So her and her friends come together and say, yo, it would actually be a great idea if you went and you said that you were raped by a group of black men. So Norma and her friends thought that in Texas at the time, if you were raped, you could actually get an abortion. But then they actually end up going to the clinic and find out that the only way that you could get an abortion in Texas at the time is if the abortion compromised the health of the mother. So, of course, she could not get an abortion. But stop. Norma McCorvey and her friends thought it was a good idea to say that she was raped by a group of black men. This is 1968 where you could get killed as a black man. You could get killed just for whistling at a, at a white woman. So imagine Norma and her friends are like, hey, you know what? Yeah, everybody's doing, let's lie, let's go ahead and lie. They lied and said that she was raped by a group of black men. Come to find out, you still can't have, you still can't have the abortion. So she, she ends up, you know, trying to go to an illegal, an abortion clinic that performed illegal abortions, right? A clinic that performed illegal abortions. She ended up going, finds out that that abortion clinic has been closed down by the police. Now, desperate, she doesn't know what to do. She enlists the help of two attorneys. Linda Coffey, remember these names. Linda Coffee and Sarah Weddington. Two lawyers who at the time were trying to fight the abortion law in Texas. And so this was the perfect opportunity for both of them. The two lawyers needed Norma McCorvey. Norma McCorvey needed the two lawyers in hopes that maybe her case can be seen by the state and she can get that abortion that she was looking to get. Of course, as we know, getting your, your, your case to the court takes a bit longer than nine months sometimes. So she ends up having that baby anyway and gives it up for adoption. But despite that, the case itself is still going to be seen by the actual court. So now remember in 1968, she's pregnant. In 1969, she has that baby. Um, 1970 now, her lawyers, Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, so Coffey and Weddington, remember those names, file a suit against the United States District Court 
for the Northern District of Texas on behalf of Miss McCorvey herself. But to protect her, they they put her under the alias or the AKA Jane Rowe. And now the defendant in the case was Henry Wade. He was a Dallas County District Attorney. So he was representing the state of Texas at the time. So here you have McCorvey under the alias Jane Rowe. So that's where we get our Rowe from versus Henry Wade, who was the district attorney who represented Texas. Rowe versus Wade. Boom. All right. So now, of course, when the court case, you know, starts now, they're in front of the district court. Now, some things get cleared up. She, she admits that she had lied about being raped by a group of black men so that they could take that out of the case. They didn't want to smudge her, her, I guess, her reliability, her character. They didn't want her to seem like a liar. So they just, oh, OK, so you lied about that. That's OK. So we'll just put that to the side. We'll act like. You never said that. But of course, we live in the information age where I could just boop, 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 and boom, I have the information right there. So she admits that she lied because she was really just trying to get an abortion. So she just said what she thought it would work to get it. They forgive her. Of course, they push forward with this, right? That's in 1970. It's filed. Remember? Okay. So now. In 19, in June of 1970, uh, the District Court of Texas decides that the Texas law, the Texas abortion law, was it was unconstitutional, but only under the grounds that it violated the right to privacy found in the Ninth Amendment. So not. It's so it's not that abortion is a right that you should have, but that banning abortion violates the right to privacy found in the Ninth Amendment. So at this point, June 1970, in Texas, abortion is now legalized, but they don't stop there and they bring it to the Supreme Court. And on January 22nd of 1973, the Supreme Court, with a decision of seven yes to no in favor of Miss Rowe or Norma McCorvey, they found that in the United States, it is a fundamental right of the woman to choose whether or not to have abortions and she should be able to do so without government restriction and in the supreme court the texas abortion ban was seen as unconstitutional and now the supreme court ruling of 1973 in the case of roe versus wade now set the federal precedent of abortion here in the United States. At this point, now abortion as a whole is seen as legal. You can get abortions now. So 
again, just really quickly doing that history lesson. I'm like, okay, so Roe versus Wade. So Roe was a a young privileged white girl who, with her friends, came up with a plan to lie and say that a group of black men raped her, so that she could get an abortion. Her first child, she wasn't taken care of. Her mother had to take custody of that child. Her second child was put up for adoption because she didn't want to take care of that child. And now at 21, so 18, 19, 20, 21, and then, then, then now she's on her third child and she wants to get an abortion. So here's this young girl, not raped, not a product of incest, not forced at, no. This a young, white, privileged girl, young, wild, and free, having sex. And of course, boom, she got pregnant again, wanted to get uh, wanted to get an abortion. She couldn't. So she took it some, to some lawyers who were desperate. The lawyers took her case, even though she lied, brought it to the Supreme Court and decided that abortion should be legal. And so that is the precedent <laughs> that then gave way for 19 million black babies being aborted ever since that at the hands of Planned Parenthood. So like when you draw this link real quick, when you draw this link, when you draw that link up real quick, like, okay, wait, you have some white supremacists, you have the president of the eugenics society, you have a, a Margie, a, a young, a young girl who idolizes someone who wrote the sterilization laws for Nazi Germany with who came up with this Negro project to enlist the help of black doctors and black pastors to quote unquote educate the black population on the 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 importance of birth control so that's where that starts and then you have this young white girl again who just lied and her court was taken to the Supreme Court and boom they got abortion legal all over the, legal all over the place. So I say to myself, well, based on that information, there, based based on my knowledge, knowing that there's literally a there's literally a plot against me. There's literally a, there was literally a group of people that call themselves the. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. But they they first called themselves the American Birth Control League. They were a league. And then they changed that to the Birth Control Federation of America. And when things got too hot, they said, yo, let's, let's, let's just call it Planned Parenthood. And let's get some black people involved so that they don't know what's going on. Because the world is privy to what's going on in Nazi Germany with eugenics. They see what's going on. So we can't have nothing about birth control. We can't have nothing about eugenics. We got to change. We got we to gotta rebrand. We got to come up with a new logo. So knowing that these people plotted against me, why would I ever like why would I why would I why in modern day modern day United States why would I be fighting for for abortion why would I be fighting for the right to abortion you know I, I and I, I, I sometimes it's not as simple as that like we could take it to a religious level we could t take it to a cultural level you know like I, I did the research and I found out in in, in European societies is actually record of uh -huh, a culture that had sex parties, 
a culture that had sex slaves or concubines, right? A culture that according to history had no issue with abortion. They say in Greek communities or the Greek culture and the Roman culture, abortion was not seen as a problem. They wouldn't bat an eyelash about it. If they didn't want the baby, excuse the accent, but that's what they would do. And then, oh, so if I'm African-American or I'm Haitian-American, but, you know, I'm labeled as African-American. So if I'm African-American, I went and did some research on African culture. And I see that culturally they look at sex as something more sacred. Sex is actually something that's reserved for people who are married. And then additionally, the child is something sacred. The child as an addition to the community and abortion is not something that's really talked about in African culture. So again, if, if we want to take this to a cultural, if I want to take, take a point from a cultural standpoint, abortion is not something that comes from my culture. It is not something that I should be fighting for. It is actually somebody else's culture that I've come to adopt here because since 1921, people have been plotting on me and put 87% of their clinics in my neighborhood. So I grew up into a matrix. I grew up into, you know, a world where this just seems normal. It just seems like a thing to do. It seems like nothing. But in reality, this isn't even me. This isn't, this isn't even my culture. It's just a learned culture because I live here in the United States. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like I could, I could, I could write it out. I could write this out, you know, and share this with you. But do you see what I'm saying? This ain't necessarily my beef. This ain't necessarily my fight. And, and now if you want to take again, you know, cause I was having this conversation with somebody and it was, it was very interesting because, uh, when, when I brought up the law, it got very heated and, the person said to me, but what about, what about the people, no, what about the women who get raped? What about the women that are having babies as a result of incest? And um, I looked her in the eyes and I, I wanted her to make sure, I wanted her to make sure that she felt me, that she knew that I understand where she was coming from. And I said to her, listen, if that's the case, if a woman is pregnant as a result of rape, as a result of incest, or if that baby can can potentially endanger her life, and I 100% support her decision if that's what she decides to do. If that's what she decides to do, I 100% support her decision. Because I didn't want that black woman to feel like I was against her if that had ever happened to her. You know what I mean? I didn't want her to feel like as a black man, her best interest wasn't, you know, first in my mind. You know what I mean? I didn't want it to seem like, oh, if she's harmed and as a result of that, she gets pregnant. And I'm over here talking about, no, 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 no abortion. Nah, nah, that's not what I'm saying. More so what I'm saying is we got a culture here. Where the young men and women grow up to believe that sex is just an act, right? 
but for some reason nobody tells them the consequences of that act so you got young men and young women out here fucking and doing the do and then the baby pops up and then she's missing her period now let's first she's missing her period and then the baby pops up and then you got two people who probably weren't even thinking about longevity at the moment they weren't thinking about marriage they weren't thinking about growing old together they were thinking about the moment they were thinking about their short their short term goals and I was busting enough for the night so here you got these two people that boom now they got a baby and what does society tell them well if you're not ready for a baby go ahead and get an abortion right that's one thing or what we tell our youngins is hey listen um young girl you you're about 16 years old now you're about 17 years old now you you have you've had your period meaning that you're aware that you can have children you you're ovulating obviously um we're gonna go ahead and put you on birth control here's some pills that i want you to take because I know that you may be sexually active and there's a possibility that you may have a baby and I just want to safeguard against the possibility of you having a baby. So here's some birth control so that you don't have a baby. So essentially what that's saying to the child is it's okay to have sex, but make sure to take this pill so that I don't have a baby. And again, that's, I think that's a big issue culturally that we say it's okay to have a it's okay to have sex. I know you're going to be having sex, but just don't come home with a baby. Again, culturally, nobody's pushing the importance of sex. Nobody's pushing the importance of waiting till you're in a committed relationship, i.e. marriage, a committed relationship for a lifetime. And now, when something like a kid pops up, okay, well, you were planning already to be together for the rest of your life, so boom, what's a baby? What's a baby to that? A baby's a blessing in a situation like that. But now, of course, if you've got a young 16-year-old, again, in a relationship with a young 16-year-old man, again, who both are not thinking about longevity, who are influenced by their music, or influenced by their peers, they go and have sex, boom, they have a baby, what are they to do? Abort it, right? And so to that, that culture that teaches our youth that it's okay to just hook up, the, the, the culture that tells our youth hookup hook up culture is cool, is what the issue is. Because abortion, when you really think about it, abortion was like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Say someone got shot. Bow. Bow. I don't know what. Bow. Right. So someone gets shot, and then and then you go. Oh, I got you. Let me put that bandaid on it. Right. So here you got all of this blood flowing out, all of these issues flowing out, and you just say, Oh, I'm gonna put a bandaid on that. Nah, that's not. That's not how you fix an issue like that. Right. An issue like that, you gotta take that bullet out. Gotta sew it up put some gauze on that bad boy right and so again the cultural issue that i'm bringing up where you have children having sex 
you have some parents that say hey i know you're having sex but i want you to be safe here's a here's a condom for little bill and here's birth control for little um uh, shaquisha whatever the situation may be the the young girl gets birth control the young man gets a condom and we tell them hey do what you do but don't come out with a baby the shift the shift needs to come in culture prevention is better than cure so instead of instead of saying hey because i know you guys are having sex here's a here's a uh, a condom here's birth control here's abortion if you didn't use either of those two options right that's a cure for an issue that's the cure the issue is still going on but hey we have a cure right frivolous sex is the issue just having sex to have sex just fucking a fuck is the issue that's the issue birth control condoms and abortion is the cure so the issue will still go on but we have these cure that don't actually fix the issue that's why they say prevention is better than cure now if you educate children in the right way to grow up and they know the importance of sex if they know that first and foremost before i give my body to someone i gotta have their mind before i give before i lay down in the bed with a woman i gotta know who she is on the inside in her mind of her soul i gotta know her family i gotta know her background how she was raised i gotta know if this woman if i happen to have a child with this woman does she have the mindset that i want to instill in my child because as we know like when you tr really break this shit down having a child is like you have the mother and you got the father sort of like when you talk kings and queens right y'all love talking kings and queens but y'all don't act like no kings and queens anyways when you talk kings and queens it's like two dynasties that come together you got the king with his ideology the way that he was raised up his culture then you got the queen or, or the young princess you know wh whatever you got the queen here who she has ideology she has a way that she was raised up and they come together and they build a dynasty through their children now we get to share our ideology through our children we get to raise up our children in the way that we were brought up with the culture that we have right and so if you don't even know that woman when you go and you just have sex to have sex and now y'all got a child that's why most of your baby mamas is teaching your kids to hate you on the low because you don't even know who that woman really was then boom you have a child with her and then look what happens or vice versa the woman has a child with a man she don't even really know who he is he's a deadbeat and when they got the child he's not even taking care of the child because he's a sucker you see what i'm saying so again you got to teach the children that listen before i lay down with a woman i gotta know where her mind's at i gotta know her background you know what i'm saying it's got to be longevity we got to be planning for longevity baby you understand again i we gotta yo it comes to a point where we gotta like when you when you take a look at that good book the bible and they talk about not having sex till marriage yeah the ages that they was getting married was much younger right but like when you think about it, it's a good precedent it's a good it's a good rule 
it's, it's, it's something good to go by because when you think about it, okay, at least if we married before we have sex, right? And we come across the possibility of having a child together. If we married, at least I know this marriage thing is forever. Some people believe in divorce. I personally don't. So this marriage thing is forever. So if we have a child, hey, that just comes with marriage. That just comes with this journey that we have decided together to go on, right? A lot of you getting into situations with people who don't got the same plans as you. <laughs> a lot of you getting into relationships with people that's only there for a season. And you thinking they're there for the rest of your life. So there you go making permanent decisions with someone who's only there temporarily. What? Did you hear that? A lot of y'all are making permanent decisions with people who are only in your life for a temporary time. Your boyfriend? What's a boyfriend? What's a girlfriend? That's that's not long term. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, you could break up tomorrow and it's the end of that. But y'all don't see that though. Y'all don't realize that. And so this conversation has obviously evolved it's actually it's obviously transformed into we talking about pro-life or pro-choice right pro-life or pro-choice obviously at this point I mean, if you can't tell i'm leaning towards that pro-life you know i understand i understand the sanctity of a baby and i also understand that in order for me to have a child I need to be walking in the proper light. I need to have been pursuing a woman for a certain amount of time. I need to put a ring on her finger so she knows that I'm here forever. In addition to that, once we get that forever thing going, marriage, in addition to that, we need to be talking about how we're going to raise up this child. We need to be talking about the ideologies that we're going what we going to teach our children. What's the culture that we setting up for our children? What are we teaching our children in a world that's growing with morals that I don't necessarily align with? So what am I making sure to teach my children? That's what me and her got to be discussing before we even have that children. You know, over here you have Margie, Margaret Sanger. You know who was who was smart enough to coin her to call her thing planned parenthood because she's planning your parenthood well not even trying to make you a parent she's saying listen here go have sex but stop having babies look how successful she's been since yo look at yo look at these statistics bro you telling me what yo that is crazy 14 million that's crazy. Million, but no, I said 14, 19 million since 1973. Yo, 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 we in, we in 2021 since 1973. Let's do the math. Just, just so they have to see the impact. That's 48 years and 48 years, 19 million black babies have died each year that's 2.5 million if you do the math really quickly that's 2.5 million black babies being killed at the hands of Planned Parenthood since 1973 since Roe versus Wade again Norma McCorvey 
lying with her friends to say that she got raped by a group of black women. Her case gets taken on by Coffee and Weddington. They take it to, to, to the district court. Uh, now abortion is illegal. Now abortion is legal in Texas. Boom, they take it to the Supreme Court. Now abortion is legal in all the states. Do you see? And this is the foundation of abortion. 2.5 mil. 2.5. Imagine if you got 2.5 million dollars for 48 years straight, right? Think of that wealth. Now, 2.5, 2.5 million black babies being killed over the last 48 years. Y'all don't see the agenda. But again, my thing, my thing that I'm standing on right now, prevention is better than cure. Y'all over here fighting for abortion. That's cool. Y'all over here fighting for, for the right to go get your birth control pills, get your con That's cool. But what I'm saying at this point is I need a I need a culture shift. That's what I'm saying. I need my black yo, when I talk to my nephew, I'm not hey yo, you better be making sure you get it all the pussy in the world. Nah. It's like yo, hold on. If that's what you wanna do, by all means, do what you gotta do. But I'ma let you know that you should definitely do it with someone you love. It's always gonna feel better. Because as we know, love is a feeling, right? Now, when you make love to someone, it's a feeling that you and that person share mentally that comes together physically when you make love with someone, right? So I say, hey, listen, boy, you could do what you want. You could follow your little friends out here being horn dogs. But I'm telling you, it's the same nut. Every single time, it don't matter what girl you... It's the same nut. And you'll just end up chasing a nut. That's what the thrill will become. Chasing a nut. Chasing a nut. Chasing... Or you could wait until you meet someone that you actually got feelings for. And then y'all could share that sacred... The sacred act of having sex. Y'all could share that together. And that could be something that y'all y'all do together. I don't know. Different perspective, new filter, new way of look at things. You know, uh, sadly, I'm not even gonna say sadly, but unfortunately, you know, I wasn't raised up in that way. That's not what I was necessarily raised up on. So I had to learn from my mistakes. But I'm at a point where I could learn from my mistakes and stop making the same mistake over and over. It's not just because back in the day I was doing X, Y, and Z. That at this point, I still got to be on that type of time. There's growth. There's progression. There's learning. There's realizing your wrongs. There's becoming a man. Right? There's growth. And that's where I'm at. You understand? So, it's not all the times when life gives you lemons. that you. When life gives you lemons, let's talk it out. That's the slogan of this. When life gives you lemons, let's talk it out. When life throws this crazy situation at you, let's talk it out. When life gives you a situation that might seem unfavorable, let's talk it out. Don't just take that unfavorable uh, decision or unfavorable hand, whatever, and just try to make the best of it, right? That's kind of like what they got us doing here in the United States, but that's a deeper, that's a deeper talk, right? It's like, oh, so you at the bottom of the totem pole. So, yeah, I'm going to become 
a drug dealer or I'm gonna become a killer because it's like, yeah, we in a place where they don't love us anyway. The streets don't love us, so I'm gonna be killing dudes. Like what? That's just you taking lemons and trying to make the best of it. Let's talk it out. Let's see what the situation is really about. Let's hash it out and come up with a better plan. And that's what we're here to do on New Filters. That's what we're here to do on this podcast. This is the conversation that we carry. You understand? So, of course, good morning, good evening, or good night whenever you choose to listen. This is definitely, this was definitely a great conversation. Shout outs to you for, of course, listening. If you don't already, go ahead and subscribe to that new filters, the podcast on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast. So with every new episode that comes out, you get a notification. Follow me on Uncle Mugga on Instagram as well. Send in your questions. And of course, peace.